0: Old radio Old Radio Old Radio Old Radio Old Radio Comedy
1: Podcast
2: Welcome to Episode ninety six of season four of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Anne Southern originally appeared on Broadway in its stage productions, as well as less successful B movies, until she shot to stardom in nineteen thirty nine when she started the MGM film Maisie. For the next eight years she starred in nine sequels, and the popularity of Southern in the film series led to her own radio show, The Adventures of Maisie, which ran from nineteen forty five to nineteen forty seven on CBS, on Mutual Broadcasting System in nineteen fifty two, and in syndication from forty nine to fifty three. Bob Hope's career started on radio in 1934. His first regular radio series was the Woodbury Soap Hour in 1937, and a year later on the Pepsodent Show with Bob Hope, which became the top radio show in the country for many years. After changing sponsors several times, Hope's show was finally knocked off of the ratings charts in 1950 by the new hit show Life with Luigi. Over the next 5 years, his shows ran under various sponsors and various time slots until the final episode on April 21, 1955. Now sit back and enjoy the April 20th, 1950 broadcast of The Adventures of Maisie and the November 20th, 1951 broadcast of The Bob Hope Show.
5: babe. Say, how about a little... Ouch.
6: Does that answer your question, buddy?
5: The Adventures of Maisie, starring Ann Southern. <laughs> you all remember Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's famous Maisie picture. In just a moment, you'll hear Maisie in radio, starring the same glamorous star you all went to see and loved on the screen, Ann Southern. But first you're an <laughs>
6: Yep, I'm Maisie, like the man said, Maisie Revere. I also was born in Brooklyn, in a cold water flat. But I've been in hot water ever since. Yep, ever since I could remember, I've been kicking around the world trying to earn my daily bread. And when you're trying to earn your daily bread, you got to run into a lot of crumbs. For example, if you wound up, for instance, there was a big Danny Metcalf. Danny had a big dimple in his chin, and when he smiled, his whole face caved in. I'll never forget the day I met him. I was working at the information desk of a small hospital in a small town out west. The pay wasn't much, but my meals were thrown in. Anyway, on that particular day to which I am referring, I was behind the desk with a fly swatter in my hand to keep away the flies and the interns when a rather nice-looking young fella comes up.
7: Pardon me, miss.
6: Oh, yes, sir. What can I do for you, sir?
8: Who does the buying for this hospital?
6: Well, that depends. What are you selling?
8: My eye. Ah.
6: Sorry, this ain't a used car lot. We don't buy parts.
8: Miss, how can you be so cold blooded?
6: I ain't. It's just that a hospital ain't no place for jokes or screwy publicity stunts.
8: Oh, look, miss. Do Do I look like a comedian or a publicity hound?
6: No, but that don't mean nothing. A hunk of celery don't look like it sounds like either. And if you didn't, did need money that bad, there must be an easier way to get it.
8: Yeah? Like how, for
6: instance? Well, you can borrow on your life insurance.
8: You can't get life insurance in this town when you're on Big Dan Metcalf's list.
6: Well, what about this Big Dan's list?
8: Say, you're pretty nosy, ain't
6: you? Yeah, but I'm trying to save your pretty eyes chum if you'll let me.
8: You mean... You mean you'd actually like to help a perfect stranger?
6: Well, why not?
9: Well, I... Now, Miss Revere, quick... Dr.
6: Howard, emergency. Well, he's in surgery, doctor. Good.
9: Got a patient in the ambulance that's going to need the works. Some poor guy named Jerry Platt. Machine gun. Yeah, drilled full of holes right in his car. Uh, How'd you know how he got it?
8: Jerry had the store next to my newspaper. And when he didn't pay, uh, I I, I just took a wild guess.
6: Well, you'd better have a more believable answer than that, mister. Cops might want to ask questions. Yeah,
9: it ain't easy to get away with murder in this town.
6: It is when your name's Big Dan
8: Metcalf.
9: Huh?
6: Okay.
8: Uh, I I shouldn't have said that.
6: Why? If that's the man that did it, you should tell the cops. Don't you think so, doctor? Think what? Well, that the name he just mentioned should be
9: arrested. I didn't hear him mention the name of Big Dan Metcalf. Did I, Mister? Nope. Never heard of
6: him. Hey, what is this? Now, look here, doctor. I'm sorry,
9: Maisie. I'm in the business of saving lives.
6: I know, And if you
9: don't mind, I'd like to save mine. I may need it later on in life.
6: Well, I don't get this. Mister, if you...
9: He's gone. Who's gone?
6: The man that was just here.
9: I didn't see anybody.
6: Oh, so that's how it is, huh? Uh
9: Uh-huh.
6: Well, I'm going to see somebody right now, the chief of police. I'm going to get to the bottom of this.
9: Easy. If you don't keep out of this, you'll wind up at the bottom of something. The bottom of the river, wearing a cement girdle. Well, just the
6: same, I'm going to the police. Well,
9: it's your funeral, baby.
6: Anything I can do. Yeah. Talk me out of it. Hi,
3: Chief.
10: Well, it's about time you're back, Lieutenant Burns. Did you look over that car that that Platt fellow was machine-gunned in?
3: Yeah, Chief. Big dance torpedoes have been getting a little careless. Found fingerprints all over the doors. Oh, fingerprints, huh? Don't worry, Chief. I wiped them off. Oh, good. Yeah, but I wish he'd figure out some other way to get them storekeepers to come across with protection money. If these shootings and bombings get in the papers, we'll have the uh, FBI on our (laughs) necks.
10: Don't worry, Chum, don't worry. Nothing will get in the papers. Hmm. Even Johnny Clark's on Big Dan's sucker list. Not only ain't nothing going to get printed about Dan's uh, tactics, but Johnny himself is also kicking in with protection money to stay in the newspaper business. Johnny? Yeah. I thought he had red blood in his veins. Oh, he has. And he wants to keep it there.
1: Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>.
10: <laughs> Big Dan has a milk dry and so scared, I hear tell that Johnny's putting an eye of his on the market to
3: get payoff dough. That's uh, a smart cookie, that Dan boy. <laughs> yeah, miss... What can I do for you?
6: Well, I I want you to arrest him. Arrest who? Well, this is no time to ask questions. He might get away. Now,
10: look, miss, look, calm down. Now, start from the beginning.
6: Okay. I want you to arrest him, the man who did it.
10: I know, I know.
3: Well, if you know who did it, how come he ain't in jail already? Look, miss, who did what to who, when, why, and where?
6: Oh, this ain't no time for details, officer. I'm Maisie Revere. I work at the hospital, and this morning a man came in that was machine gunned. I want you cops to arrest Dan Metcalf immediately.
3: Big Dan Metcalf? Yes. Uh, you, you must be mistaken, miss. Uh, Big Dan is a respectable citizen. Oh,
10: yeah, of long standing.
6: Well, he's been standing too long. He should be sitting in an electric chair. He's the one that machine gunned that... that um... uh, Jerry Platt? Yeah, that's the name. Well, how about it? Are you going to bring in this Big Dan or ain't you?
3: We've been trying for years to pin something on Big Dan. They ain't we Chief? We have. I mean, we
6: have. Now look, chums. This big Dan is guilty.
10: Yeah, but with no proof, our hands are tied.
6: Well, my hands ain't tied, and I'm going to bring that guy in and make him confess. Oh. Well, by appealing to his better nature.
3: And appealing to Big Dan's better nature?
6: If you ask a silly question, you got to expect a silly answer. See you later.
10: Burns, I better call up Big Dan and warn him that Revere Dame is on her way over. Yeah, I got a feeling there's gonna be trouble. Yeah, but Chief, she's a woman. I know. That's why I got the feelings.
1: Yeah. Uh,
11: you just have to be more careful the way you do things, Dan. I know I'm only your lawyer, but you just can't go on putting the squeeze on little people forever.
12: Huh? why not, Kendall? That's what little people are for. When are you
11: going to stop? When are you going to have enough money?
12: Don't be silly. There is no such thing as enough money. Now, if you don't mind, Kendall, I have a lady waiting for me in the outer office, a Miss uh, Revere. What's she want? Me. You. So Chief Benson told me over the phone a little while ago, it seems Miss Revere is concerned about that machine gunning this
11: morning. This, uh, this Miss Revere knows who had the guy rubbed out? Yeah, I understand. She suspects it. Oh, fine. What are you going to do about it?
12: Oh, come, come, Kendall. Let's not ask silly questions. You mean you're going to shoot her, too? Of course not, Kendall. I've sent to Chicago for Fingers Jugin.
11: But, you, you can't kill a woman, boss. Uh, maybe she won't talk.
12: Nonsense, Kendall. Did you ever meet one who didn't?
11: But, uh, what about Fingers. He's an outside goon. Can he be trusted to keep his mouth shut?
12: There's no choice. I got enough on him locked up there in my safe to send us all to the chair.
11: You keep a record of your whole career in crime locked up in a safe? Why?
12: <laughs> Haven't you heard, Kendall? I'm a bit of a ham. Oh. Now run along to your habeas corpuses and leave the lady to me.
11: You can go
6: in, Miss Revere. Mr. Metcalf.
12: Well, well, well. So you're Miss Revere. I'm delighted to meet you, my dear.
6: (laughs) The pleasure's all yours, Danny boy.
12: Uh, Sit down. Please do.
6: Thank you. Cute-looking secretary you got outside there, Mr. Metcalf. Oh? I've seen nicer-looking pans under an icebox.
12: (laughs) Don't mind Monk's looks. He got those ears from Veer.
6: But they do, use them to open the bottle.
12: Well, 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 I see we have a sense of humor, Miss Revere.
6: Not when it comes to murder, we ain't. That's what I'm here to talk to you about. Uh, Mr. Metcalf.
12: Yes, Miss Revere?
6: You're the most despicable person that ever lived.
12: <laughs> You're so right, my dear.
6: You admit it.
12: Yes, I'm rather proud of it. As a matter of fact, it's the nasty people in this world that are remembered in history, remember? As Shakespeare so aptly put it, The evil that men do lives after them. Hmm. Julius Caesar, you know. Huh? Julius Caesar. He was stabbed by Brutus.
6: Oh, another one of your hired killers, huh?
12: Hired killers, Miss Revere?
6: I know it was you who had poor, innocent Jerry Pratt knocked off.
12: So I understand. But you have no proof.
6: How do you know I have no proof?
12: Well, I have, shall we say, friends in the police department.
6: Oh, so that's it. The cops are on your payroll, too. How can you get away with it? Oh, you needn't
12: have any concern for me, Miss Revere. I can afford it.
6: Well, I can go higher up with what I know. They have a district attorney in this town.
12: Oh, yes, yes. A very fine district attorney, too. (laughs) The best that money can buy.
6: Oh. He's on your side, too,
12: huh? Why not? It's a very comfortable side to be on, Miss Revere. I'm, uh... Certain you would find it so.
6: Now, listen. You have
12: a certain nuisance value, Miss Revere, so I'm offering you a business proposition. Say, uh, five thousand dollars? Uh-uh. Ten?
6: Uh-uh. Try twenty-five thousand.
12: Very well, twenty-five thousand. Uh-uh. Miss Revere, I will not be played with like a cat with a mouse.
6: But you're not a mouse, Mr. Metcalf. You're a rat. Goodbye, Big Dan, and I do mean a goodbye. Just a
12: moment, Miss Revere. Exactly what are your plans? You're wasting your time seeking the aid of the law to convict me, you know.
6: For further details, read your daily newspaper. I'm
12: so sorry to burst your bubble for you, Miss Revere, but in this town we have only one newspaper, and the editor might be slightly hesitant about printing what he knows. Oh,
6: I'm not so sure about that?
12: Perhaps not, but I am. As a matter of fact, he'd give his right eye for me.
6: Ah. Oh. So you're the one he wanted to sell it for. Yes,
12: Johnny Clark has a fairly successful newspaper, a comfortable income, and his wife and child like to eat.
6: You wouldn't. You wouldn't do anything to his wife and kid, would you?
12: Oh, you're forgetting, Miss Revere. I'm a louse.
6: I know. And I'm going right down and talk to Johnny and tell him that if he doesn't expose you, his life and those of his family and fellow citizens would be a living death.
12: Miss Revere, you remind me of my mother. I do? Yes. Yes. She couldn't keep her trap shut either. Now I'm warning you, Miss Revere, don't meddle in this thing.
6: So long, Mr. Metcalf. Miss
12: Revere, I'm warning you. And
6: I'm warning you. So long, big shot. See you in court.
12: Yeah, boss. Monk, get me fingers, Jugan. <laughs>
5: Adventures of Maisie, starring Ann Southern, will continue in just a moment. Back to Maisie.
6: But can't you see, John, the only way to deal with a skunk like Dan Metcalf is to print the truth about him in your paper. Maisie's hey, right, Pop. Now,
8: never mind, Junior. This is man's work. You go and set up the type for tomorrow's edition.
6: Yeah, and I got just the headline for it. Big Dan Metcalf, a murderer. I'll set up the type for the headline right away, Pop.
8: Oh, wait a minute, Junior. Maisie, how are we going to prove that Big Dan's a murderer?
6: Well, it's simple. All we got to do is get evidence.
8: True, and how are we going to get the evidence?
6: Well, how are we going to get it? How are we going to get it?
8: Yeah.
6: got any ideas? Well,
13: one of us could break in the big Dan's safe. Yeah. yeah. But who? Got any ideas? Metcalf
8: keeps a listing of all the payoffs and stuff in that safe. I happen to know about
6: it. Well, I could make a try to open that safe. Um, Dan wouldn't kill a woman if he caught her, would he? He would. Um, uh, Yeah. Like we were saying, who are we going to get to break into that safe?
8: Dan had it built special, burglar proof. The only one who could open it would have to be a specialist.
13: Yeah. Say, Fingers Dugan could do it. Who's Fingers Dugan?
8: Only the best safe cracker in the
6: country, that's all.
13: He's sort of retired from that racket, though. Just hires himself out for killings
6: now, I understand. Well, at least that keeps him from being just a bum, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hey,
8: that job would be a cinch for Fingers if the FBI hadn't sent him to San Quentin...
13: But he's back, Pop. I saw him this morning in a saloon.
8: Junior, what were you doing in a saloon?
13: Looking for you, Dad. Ever since his big Dan business started, you've been lushing... But never it mind.
7: Never well,
13: mind.
6: then we're set. One what? of us will get things to open Metcalf safe.
7: Uh, which
8: one of us?
6: Uh, any ideas?
8: Well, I... I'm a married man with a kid.
6: And I'm a kid with a married man. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, no,
8: no, Maisie. You don't look the part. He, he wouldn't do it for a mere stranger called Maisie Revere.
6: No, but he might for Minnie the Mall. Who's Minnie the Mall? He's is looking at her, Junior. Minnie the Mall. The toughest lady gangster since Jesse James.
8: Maisie, are you out of your mind?
6: That's a silly question to ask. Of course I am. <laughs> There you are, Macy, right off the press. This should do the trick. Let me see. Wanted dead or alive or both, Minnie the Mall just escaped from Alcatraz.
8: Alcatraz? But that only has men.
6: Yeah, that's why I had to escape. Get a load of the rest of this ad. Wanted by police in 48 states, Minnie the Mall, alias Moital the Moiderer. Gee, Maisie, and that picture looks just like it, too.
8: Uh, I don't know, Maisie. Your nose seems a little long to me.
6: Well, that ain't no nose. I'm smoking a cigar. Well, here I go. Off to find Fingers Dugan. Gosh, Pop, Maisie sure is brave.
1: Yeah,
8: a wonderful girl. Well, I might as well go into the composing room and set up the type for tomorrow's headline. I've got a feeling our troubles are over.
13: Or just starting. How are all the presses, Pop?
9: Good afternoon, Sonny.
13: Oh, what can I do for you,
11: sir?
9: I understand a certain Maisie Revere was here. I'm here to investigate, well, so-called accident that happened to a Jerry Platt. Now, I understand Miss Revere knows something about
13: it. Oh, well, she just left.
9: That's too bad. This was important. It was very important. Uh, Say, what's this on the desk? Wanted Minnie the Marl, alias, mortal the murderer.
13: She didn't want any strangers to see that. That
9: I can't see as I blame her. This is very interesting. Very indeed. Well, goodbye, son.
13: So long. Oh, by the way, who shall I say call?
9: Uh, Here's my card. I'll be back.
13: Who was that, Junior? I don't know. He left a card. Sylvan Howard, special investigator, FBI. FBI? Oh, Macy, you just turned into a federal case. (laughs)
6: Yeah, miss? What do you have, Hay? Nothing, Hay. I'm looking for a Fingers Dugan, Hay. Is he here in the saloon?
10: Oh, Fingers, eh? Hey? Hmm. You see them two cauliflower ears over there? Yeah. Well, he's between them.
6: Thanks. I mean, thanks. Um, say, Meathead. I use perchance, Fingers Dugan?
7: What if I am?
6: You don't have to get nervous with me, chum. I was told to look you up by a pal of yours.
7: Yeah? What pal?
6: What pals you got?
7: Well, let me see now. There's uh, there's, uh, Duke Watson. Yeah,
6: he's the one that told me to look you up. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
7: Hey, what do you know? I ain't seen Duke for ten years. What's he been doing?
6: Ten years.
7: It figures. Say, uh, who are you anyway?
6: Are you kidding, hey? Hi, Minnie DeMau. Here, get a load of my publicity.
7: Oh, hey, <laughs> A mighty tough little cookie, ain't ya? <laughs>
6: yeah. Say, hey, Fingers. Here. Yeah. If you ain't busy tonight, maybe we took a team up and do a job
7: tonight. Nah, I can't do it tonight, Minnie. I, I gotta knock off a thing.
6: Anybody I know, hey? Huh?
7: No, I don't think so. This, uh, dame, her name is, uh, Maisie Revere. Oh, I see, Maisie Revere. Maisie Revere? Yeah, yeah. Big Danny Metcalf was just in here to see me he made the deal. Hey, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't know what this here Maisie Revere looks like, would you?
6: Uh, nope. Do you?
7: Yeah, nope.
6: I'm glad. Eh? Uh, I'm glad I run into your fingers. I've got a better deal for you than bumping me. I mean, uh, her. That is, if you got noise.
7: Oh, certainly I got noise.
6: You heard? I mean, you have? <laughs> well, now, look, tall dark and
7: uh,
6: tall dark. There must be a million and a half bucks in this here job. It's Big Dan Midcalf safe.
7: Now, I can't rob this safe of a guy that's a customer of mine. It ain't ethical. It ain't?
6: Well, okay then. I'll just have to team up with Boyd the Bum.
7: Boyd the Bum? Never heard of him.
6: Ah, you're kidding. Boyd's just about tops in the racket. He's so good he opens the safe with his feet.
7: Yeah? What's he do with his hands?
6: Holds them over his eyes just to make it tougher.
7: Oh? Well, hey. Hey, look. There's nobody better than Fingers Dugan. Why, I was once called the Josie Itabi of safe-cracking. Tell you what, come on. You take me down to Big Dan's joint, and I'll show you.
6: Chief fingers. Shows dark in here in Dan's office. Maybe we should turn on the light?
7: No, nah, nothing doing it. If Boyd the bum can open a safe without looking, so can I. Big show up. Shh, hey. Somebody knocking at the door.
6: That's my knees.
7: Oh. I think this here is the safe.
6: Oh, good. Hurry up. It's all right. I'll
7: have it open in a minute. Here it goes. We always turn the dial. Sorry, wrong dial. Ah, here, here, here's the safe. Now Minnie, you just watched me open this.
6: No, not with your feet, fingers. This is no time to be a ham. Open it with your hands.
7: Well, alright, I will. I still got that dame to knock off, so I guess I better hurry. Yes. <laughs> see, now I face kind of left. Which is left? Oh, you, yes. uh, there. There, I look it. And the hard way, too. Lefty.
6: Wait. I'll turn on the desk light and see if the stuff's there. Yeah. Here they are. Big dance payoff records. Fingers, all our troubles are over.
7: Here, yeah, I'll say they're over. Just look at this here hall. Hey, there must be a million bucks in this pile. Maybe more. Maybe a hundred thousand. Fingers, you
6: can't take that money. It's stealing.
7: Yes. That's bad. Oh, who's there? It's me, Macy. Say, who's that?
6: Oh. oh. Oh, he's a member of my mob. He's, um. Um, Davy the dope. Hey,
7: okay, now wait a minute. He calls you Maisie.
6: Well, that just shows you what a dope he is. I just came over to tell you to hurry. Uh, uh Minnie the
7: Mall.
13: Yeah, Minnie.
6: There's a guy from the FBI in
13: town.
7: Hey, we gotta get out of here.
6: Yeah. I got what I want. And now, Dan Metcalf yes, will get off. the chip. Dan.
12: Nice of you to come visit my humble office again, my dear.
6: Oh,
7: gosh. Hey, now, look, boss, I can explain what I'm doing here. You see, I didn't really mean to take this, though. I just wanted to show Minnie the mile here that no safe ain't safe with me around. <laughs> and a masterful job you did, too, Mr. Dugan. Oh, isn't it? Nice? Except this isn't
12: Minnie the mile. This is Macy Revere.
7: Oh, how do you do?
6: How do you do? Well, come on, Junior. Let's go home. It's past your bedtime.
12: Fingers. Yeah, boss? Now you have an extra meddler to eradicate. You eradicate?
6: That means rub off. Junior, don't help him. Look, Dan.
12: Please, Miss Revere, don't try to stall. Yeah, get the job done quick, fingers. See the cops. Yeah, we got a benefit to attend, huh, boss? Yes, for poor Jerry
10: Platt's widow.
6: You won't get away with this, Dan. No, there's a guy here from the FBI. FBI? Oh, the
10: FBI. You're uh, kidding, ain't you, son? Oh, no, it's quite true. This
6: oh. is the guy. Well, welcome, mister. I'm Maisie Revere.
9: How do you do, Miss Revere? The bartender at the Silver Crown happened to overhear your plans for the night. That's how I found you.
12: Hey, mister, what are you doing here?
9: Merely investigating a, an accident that happened to a certain Jerry Platt.
6: Well, there was no accident, Mr. Law. Big Dan here was responsible for the murder. Murder? Well,
12: this is interesting. Please, Miss Revere, you can't prove
3: it.
6: This stuff I got in my hands ain't a copy of the Kinsey report. Yeah, we got you all now.
3: Okay, Dan, let's go. Go. Yeah, we're arresting you for the murder of Jerry Platt, ain't we, Chief? Yeah.
10: Mister, telling down in Washington that we local cops don't let nobody get away with murder. But look, you two men are.
6: Turning state's evidence to save their own hides, aren't you, Copper? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, take him away, Chief, and Fingers here, with you. Uh huh. Come on, rat.
7: Yeah, sure, officer.
6: I mean you, Dan.
7: Very
12: well, gentlemen. But you won't get away with this. Come on, let's go.
3: Come on, come on. Come on. Rat.
6: Well, mister, looks like the local murder incorporated just went into bankruptcy. Yeah, sure was a lucky thing for us that you showed up in time.
13: That bunch sure turned chicken when they met up with a member of the Federal Bureau of Investigation.
9: Federal Bureau of Investigation?
13: Sure you? Say, hey, you are, ain't you? In your card, it said FBI.
9: Well, that's true, but uh, I was merely investigating whether we should pay a claim to the wife of the deceased. You see, FBI stands for... Fidelity, benevolent, insurance company.
6: Oh, no. (laughs) And those crooked cops in Big Dan thought that he was... Oh, brother, what a switch.
9: (laughs) 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 Wait a minute, wait a minute. What am I laughing about? I have to pay that insurance claim.
5: Just a moment we shall return to the Adventures of Maisie <music> Once again, here's
6: Maisie. Well, so ended that. Big Dan found out he wasn't so big after all. I guess the lesson we can learn from that little episode is that you gotta really keep on the alert if you're cooking. The law is sort of like a nightgown. While you're sleeping, it creeps up on you. Well, gotta get back to the hospital now. Get along there, Pete. Little Maisie's heart took a beating all day. Now it's your turn.
5: You've just heard The Adventures of Maisie, starring Ann Southern. <laughs> Maisie was written by Arthur Phillips. Original music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. Supporting cast included Johnny McGovern, Donald Woods, Peter Leeds, Howard McNear, Sidney Miller, Sheldon Leonard, Bill Conrad, and Junius Matthews. Jack McCoy speaking.
0: Fields presents the Bob Hope Show. Transcribed with Wes Brown and his band of renown, and yours truly, High Averback. Our special guest, Jerry Colonna, Tony Arden, George Raft, and here he is, Bob Hope. <laughs> Well, here I am in Hollywood for Chesterfields in this wonderful California weather. I just returned from the east and I escaped all that freezing weather. We don't have that trouble out here. Everyone in Hollywood goes around in shorts and bathing suits. It's only natural when you have hot fog. Now, the weather has been a little changeable here. My brother came out here last week for the Four Seasons and left the same day. Oh, I worked Yes, sir, this is the only place in the world where you can get suntan goose pimples. (laughs) It was so cold here this morning, 27 people tried to rent Monty Woolley's beard. (laughs) So cold the Hollywood Glamour Girls are putting on sweaters just to keep warm. But it's really been freezing back east and it snowed pretty hard in the nation's capital, too. There's more shoveling in Washington this week than usual. (laughs) It was so cold in the White House, President Truman ran out of Republicans and had to use logs in the fire. (laughs) And my brother complained about having to use chains on his wheels for driving. I don't know why he's complaining. He used to have to wear chains on his ankles for walking. (laughs) When I lived back there I used to know how to protect myself Against those eastern winters I'd put on five undershirts Three sweaters Four pairs of socks Two pairs of pants An overcoat, a raincoat Two mufflers A pair of heavy boots And two pairs of galoshes Worked fine By the time I got outside It was summer again
1: <laughs>
0: I just got back from the east Just in time to do my Thanksgiving shopping You know, the price is high I asked the butcher, what kind of turkey can I get for $5? And he handed me an egg and a nest. Well so I said to the butcher, what can I get for $10? And he said, when I'm through work, you can take my apron home and boil it. I know one butcher who keeps his meat in the cash register and his money in the refrigerator. I don't mind a butcher making money. When he starts swinging a gold watch in the end of a chain of weenies, that's too much. (laughs) One woman got so mad, she bit the butcher and he charged her for it. (laughs) And the the animals are proud of the high prices. No fooling. The price of eggs went down two cents last week, and the chickens started buying them back. (laughs) I hope I have better luck with my turkey this year than I did last Thanksgiving. I thought the turkey leg I was chewing was pretty tough. Then I found out it was a cane he walked in with.
1: <laughs>
0: All my relatives will be over for Thanksgiving dinner. I know they will. They're circling over the house now.
1: <laughs>
0: Last year, between the first and second courses, my mother said, if you come to some lumps in the mashed potatoes, don't eat them. Two of the children are missing. <laughs> We had the full treatment turkey and cranberries we don't grow cranberries out here in the coast we just put grapes in front of a television set until they get bloodshot
1: and television but
0: well, television has made great strides it's advancing so fast a lot of people can't keep up with the payments and i like television i like television because the movies they show are so old i saw a british movie the other night that was so old england was lending money to america
7: and gentlemen, like most of us, Bob Hope
0: is essentially a creature of habit. Every morning at 7.30, his alarm goes off. Then Bob hops out of bed and races for the shower. I always forget to open the door. Then he takes a refreshing, ice-cold shower.
1: <laughs>
0: then he takes a shave and brushes his tooth. Hi, that's teeth. And then Bob does several minutes of strenuous setting up exercises. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now the other finger.
1: <laughs> and now
0: Bob is ready for breakfast, so he goes to the kitchen and squeezes himself some
1: juice.
0: <laughs> ah, nothing like a tall glass of Chesterfield juice. <laughs> And now Bob is ready to face the day. He throws open his windows and... Gee, what a beautiful morning. Trees look so nice and the flowers and all those little birds singing. Be my love or no one else can end this yarning. <laughs> those birds have been up to Lanza's house again. <laughs> but lately Bob's routine has been disrupted. He's having his house remodeled and his whole life is topsy-turvy. That's right. Hi, look at this place. Building materials all over. This morning at breakfast there was cement in my oatmeal. The mat in your oatmeal? Yeah, and my dentist is going to be sore. Why? I saved $50 on fillings.
1: <laughs>
0: well, gee, Bob, shouldn't the work in the house be finished by now? Sure, but I got this screwy contractor, and he's always doing something crazy. Like yesterday, he found out that Jane Russell comes over here sometimes. So? spent the whole morning putting bear traps in the lawn. <laughs> well, I guess these things take time, Bob. Just be patient. Oh, come in. Mr. Hope? Do you remember me? Oh, yes. General Harkings from the Pentagon. You were here last week. That's right. And the Army flew me out again to talk to you. Well, aren't you getting a little sick of all that flying? Yes, the altitude bothers me. It does? Mm Mm-hmm. I even get airsick when I eat a tall stalk of Mm -hmm. celery. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mr. Holt, this is the second week you haven't done your show at an Army camp, and we'd like to know why. Well, I told you last week my house is being remodeled and it's not finished yet. Oh, well, I understand that. You know, uh, we're building uh, an underground pentagon 200 feet under the surface of the Earth. It gets very confusing. It does, General? Yes, all week I've been saluting
1: gophers.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm sorry you have to make these trips out here, General Harkins. Well, I don't mind it in a way. Did a lot of sightseeing today. Took some pictures of movie stars. Sounds like fun. Yes, but I had a nasty accident. What happened? Frank Sinatra smashed my camera. Oh. He's a rough kid. He can lick his weight in pipe cleaners. (laughs) You know, General, I meant to tell you last week I'm very flattered at the visit from a man of your rank Well, you're very kind, Mr. Hope. I inquired about you and I found out that you've been in the Army 30 years You commanded three divisions in the First World War And in World War II, you were in charge of all tank operations <laughs> True And you've been decorated for bravery no less than four times uh, By the way, what's your job at the Pentagon? I run an elevator LAUGHTER Well, I just thought I'd be getting back to Washington, Mr. Hope. Oh, how are things back there, General? Well, it's winter along the Potomac now. The trees look different, and all the cherry blossoms are gone. Mm hmm. What's on the trees? Taff buttons. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mr. Hope, uh, what shall I tell them back at the Pentagon about your doing a show at an army base? Oh, well, tell them I'll do one in about ten days. Ten days? Well, that'll give me just enough time. Enough time for what? To dessert. Good day, Mr. Hope. (laughs) Hey, he's an awfully nice fellow, that General Harkins. But every time he shows up, I get scared. I think I'm drafted. <laughs> don't be silly, Bob. They don't draft nurses.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, you goofed. Now look at are you? Uh, you smoking your Chesterfield sideways? You know you don't. Come in. Well, Tony Arden, ladies. Tony say it's good to say hey you're limping what's the matter
14: oh I got caught
0: in a bear trap <laughs> I gotta have a talk with that contractor you know Tony we haven't seen each other in quite a while
14: no the last time I was on the set over at Paramount you were finishing my favorite spy
0: oh yes my favorite spy a Paramount picture starring Hetty Lamar and Bob Hope with a brilliant supporting cast. be sure to see this gripping story it has everything love drama action suspense comedy thrills Good clean entertainment for the whole family. Look for it at your neighborhood movie house.
14: Uh, we're a little late, so good night, folks.
0: <laughs> oh, where were we?
14: Uh, I saw you over at Paramount. You were shooting a love scene with Hetty Lamar.
0: Oh yes, that was the day I had my lips insured. <laughs> <laughs>
14: it was quite a scene. Hetty looking so ravishing in a white sequin gown, and you making violent love to her. I certainly envied Hetty.
0: Well, naturally. Oh yes.
14: <laughs> I've always wanted a white sequin gown. <laughs> cad. She
0: <laughs> cad. <Chic-head. laughs> Bob, don't, don't you
14: think I <laughs> don't you think I ought to rehearse my number for your radio show tonight?
0: Oh yes, Tony. Let's find the band. They're in one of these rooms here.
14: This place is going to be beautiful when you're finished.
0: Oh, I hope so. You like my new television set over there? It's a Barney Dean, you know. <laughs>
1: oh, really? Yes. <Yeah>. Well,
14: it's, <laughs> it's very nice. I was over at Bing's house recently, and he has one just like it. Oh. Except that uh, it has a window shade on the front of it.
0: Well, why would he want a television set with a window shade?
14: Well, uh, you're on once a month, aren't you? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> oh, that's all uh... right.
0: Oh, by the way, you're going to love working with Les Brown's boys. They practice all the time. Now, let's see. The band is in this room here. I raise you five bucks. I raise you five bucks. Okay, I call. What have you got? A full house? Eight kings and five jacks. (laughs) What? Let me see that hand. There it is. Okay, take the pot. I thought you were bluffing. (laughs) Boy, they play a rough game. When they get ready for a new hand, they leave the deck alone and cut each other. (laughs) Well, I'll see you later, Tony.
14: Okay, Bob.
0: Well, I've got to get this place finished. Where's that contractor? Maybe he's outside. There he is. Hey, what
15: are you doing up there on the roof? Building a cellar.
0: Naturally. Professor Colonna. Professor, you're building the cellar on the roof. What's the idea? Silly me, have the blueprints upside down. Colony, you've got to do something about finishing this house. Now, what's the trouble,
15: Hope? You were late again this morning. Oh, it's tough getting to work. Every morning I drive my car 50 miles with no gas in the tank. <laughs> Professor, how can you drive a car without gas? No floorboards, long toenails. <laughs> you've got enough brains to be half a
1: jackass.
15: <laughs> Maybe we ought to get together. Well, well something's got to be done, I'll tell you that. What are you complaining about, Hope? Yesterday
0: I put all the walls in the house. Yeah, I meant to talk to you about that. What are those walls made of? Beaver boy. But how come they're so lumpy? Real beavers. <laughs>
15: You're happy, aren't
0: you? <laughs> tell
15: me, Professor, why are you so half-baked? Well, old man couldn't keep up the payments on the incubator. <laughs>
0: well,
15: I'll set up. I've got to get myself a new contractor. Oh, you'd make a mistake, Hope. I'm not only a great builder, I'm also a great engineer. Well,
0: if you're so great, maybe you can answer this little problem. In a house of this kind with 3,000 square feet, containing 13 cubic feet in each room less than 1,500, and 14 cubic feet in each room more than 1,500, with 25% masonry, 18% aged lumber, and 57% steel, What would be the stress in cubic pound inches on the number 61 girder? Pardon? (laughs) I said, if you're such a great engineer, answer this problem. In a building of 3,000 square feet... I heard that.
15: Uh, Can't you give it to me, an apple? (laughs) I'm going to fire
0: you, Colonna. The work is going
15: too slowly. All this lumber piled up here. on account of my caterpillar tractor. I've been stalled in one spot for three days.
0: Your caterpillar tractor's been stalled for three days?
15: Yes. Think I should hitch up
0: another caterpillar?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kelowna, you fool. A caterpillar's a small insect. It can't possibly pull a big, heavy tractor.
15: It can't? No. <laughs> Lie to me, will you? <laughs>
0: Tony Arden the beautiful and talented lady of song who opens tonight at Charlie Morrison's and the Combo here in Hollywood Sing, Tony
1: Love.
0: for Chesterfield. Say hi. Yes, Bob. Can I borrow your car? I want to get down to the supermarket and do some shopping. Kelowna's eaten all the food in the icebox. Well, sure, Bob. Why don't you take your own car? Well, Kelowna loused that up, too. He took the motor out and put in a sewing machine.
1: <laughs>
0: a sewing machine? Yeah, I went for a ride last night and sewed a zipper into Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, go ahead, Bob. I'll keep an eye on things while you're
1: gone.
0: All right. Gee. Gee, the market's crowded today. Must be the Thanksgiving rush. Now let's see. I've got my list here someplace. Excuse me, lady. You're blocking the aisle. <laughs> now don't tell me. George Rabb! Hey, Bob, I didn't recognize you in the apron Just catching up on my shopping What are you doing here, George? Sticking the place up? No, it's uh, my maid's day off And I'm just out buying a couple of steaks And some champagne for a candlelight dinner Candlelight dinner? Mm-hmm. That sounds real cozy Who's coming over? The maid
1: <laughs>
0: Same old George Still likes the girls, eh? Mm, what can I do? It's a habit I formed years ago it's better than biting your nails. <laughs> I bet this maid's a blonde, huh, George? Yes, yeah, somehow I lean towards blondes. So do I, but they keep pushing me back. <laughs> but this is something special, Bob. She's tall and willowy and has big blue eyes. Lovely complexion and a gorgeous figure. Yeah, but what do you see in her? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: George, your fans ought to see you now, shopping in a supermarket, then going home to cook dinner. Oh, I'm a good cook, Bob, and I'm not ashamed of it. I make a steak that melts in your mouth. Really? How do you fix your steak? Well, I just sprinkle it with garlic and butter and broil it in a hot fire. Heavens the Chef Milani, that's all wrong. <laughs> it is. Yes, you must use your garlic in subtle tones and have your butter and parsley fairly danced across your sinews. And then when you're all through, your steak should lie there like a sleeping beauty, waiting for the ketchup to bring it to life.
1: <laughs>
0: Bob. Yes, George. Will you marry me? <laughs> no, I,
1: was,
0: I was just repeating a recipe I heard on television. Oh, walk down this aisle with me, Bob. I, I want to get some other things. Okay. Hey, George. Look up there in that stack of canned peas. There's a picture of you endorsing them. Oh, yes, I remember that. Hey, and over there, you're on a card giving a testimonial for salad dressing. That's right. Oh, and there's a picture of you over there. Oh, really? Where? Oh, right there. Endorsing Lydia Pinkham.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I got a year's supply free. Say, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to, uh... <laughs> You want to get your steaks, George? I have to get some too. Sure. There's the meat department. Hey, look at that sign. Lamb, fourteen dollars a pound. Liver, sixteen
15: dollars a pound.
0: Steak, twenty-one dollars a pound. What does it say down there at the bottom, George? Time payments arranged. (laughs) You bring a co-signer. (laughs) That's the meat department, all right. These butchers are really living, aren't they? Yeah, I know one who just got himself a set of rhinestone thumbs. (laughs) There's the butcher. Hey, uh, we'd like to buy some meat. Do you have an appointment? <laughs> an appointment? All we want is a couple of steaks. Well, how much did you want to spend? Oh, about a dollar.
15: <laughs> a a dol— a, a dollar for a steak?
1: <laughs> Where have you been?
0: What do you mean? Why don't you two get in your such bear cap and drive home? <laughs> You got your Apperson jackrabbit with you. (laughs) Look, wise guy, what can we get for a dollar? Just look in the showcase and pick out one lamb chop with ragged panties. (laughs) Come on, George, I don't think this guy's got any meat. Oh, yes, I have. I've got a freezer full of it. Oh, yeah? Let's see. Just wait till I get this freezer door open. I raise you five bucks. (laughs) I raise you five bucks. Okay, I call. What have you got? Straight flush? That beats me. What have you got, Gin? (laughs) Come on, George. Let's get out of here. Well,
15: what's your hurry? Well, I've
0: got to get home. My house is being remodeled and I'm having a lot of trouble with my contractor. Really? Yeah, and I... Say, that gives me an idea. Maybe if you came over to the house and threw a scare into this guy, you know, do that gangster routine you do in pictures. Now, wait a minute. That's pictures. In real life, I don't get any... Oh, I don't do any rough stuff. I abhor violence in any form. That's true? Yeah, and anybody says different, I'll belt him in the kisser. (laughs) Well, come on and talk to him anyway. Okay. Oh, Professor Kelowna, I want you to meet George
15: Raft. I'm pleased to meet you, Mr. Rift. (laughs) That's Raft. What? Raft, Raft, Raft. Down, boy, or I'll give you a dispepper shot. (laughs)
0: I mean, George, this guy's a metal case. Tell you what, Bob, instead of getting rough, maybe I'll try some psychology on him. Psychology? I'll win his confidence by acting friendly and getting him to talk about himself. Hey, Beaver lip.
15: <laughs> Did you ring, sir?
0: Now, Professor, I want to be your friend. Tell me, do you ever hear strange voices in your head?
15: Yes, frequently.
0: <laughs> what do they say?
15: We want Eisenhower. <laughs> Professor, maybe there's something in your childhood that might help us. Well, I do have a confession to make. When I was born, I was left on a doorstep, and I stayed on that doorstep for 39 years. (laughs) How come? I was too bashful to ring the bell. (laughs) Maloney, you mean to tell us you were left on a doorstep? Yes, I was an unwanted child. You see, my mother wanted a boy.
0: Well, she got one. She knows that, doesn't she?
15: (laughs) Of course not. I'm no squealer. (laughs) Kelowna, when you get in the high wind, don't
0: those holes in your head whistle? George, <laughs> this psychology stuff isn't going to work. Better give him the pressure. All right, Bob. I hate to do it, but I guess I'll have to get rough. And when I get through with this guy, he'll be eating out of my hand.
15: I beg to differ. You'll be eating out of my hand.
8: Come on outside.
15: Okay.
0: Gee, I'd better see what happens. Kelowna, what happened?
15: Can't talk to you now, Hope. I'm feeding
5: Mr. Rat. All thanks for
0: the memory of the Korean gift lift that'll go to cheer those who need it so. Let's send a gift and give a lift to every G.I. Joe. And we thank you so much Ladies and gentlemen, if you've bumped into our show now and then over the past few years, you've caught us getting a bit serious along about sign-off time. And with Thanksgiving closer than your next breath, we can't help getting serious about our blessings. Because, brother, when it comes to blessings, America's like the Thanksgiving table. It's loaded. When we say grace this Thursday, we'll of course thank God from whom all blessings flow. But what about the kids in Korea who will spend Thanksgiving under fire, and there's other Americans who will spend Thanksgiving under those little white crosses? Let's stretch the grace a little and thank them, too. Yes, no matter how good that turkey looks, we don't dare take a slice until our hearts bow down to those kids. That's it for tonight, folks. Want to thank Tony Arden, George Raft, Jerry Colonna... Be sure to listen to The Bob Hope Show next week. Chesterfield has brought you The Bob Hope Show, written by Larry Gilbart, Larry Marks,
9: and Larry Klein, and transcribed direct from Hollywood, California.
2: Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce.